0: Hey,
1: happy and blessed New Year from Faith Marketplace, where we equip uh, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives with resources plus community to help build kingdom impact and glorify my mighty God with gaining inspiration from Marketplace leaders. And boy, we got some great ones today. I'm on the co host Bob Lambert, Faith Marketplace. I'm the founding partner of Samurai Business Group. We offer entrepreneurs, individuals, small mid market companies, and their teams advanced business development and sales skills training. Most of our clients report that they've doubled or tripled their top line revenue within 12 to 18 months. At Samurai Business Group, we help put the win back in your sales. Hey, listen, I've been excited about this program for a long time, ever since I met this young man. Uh, he's really inspired me and lifted me up. And I'd like to introduce you to uh, Nisu Patel. Uh, He is a wealth advisor, and Nisu is here in Chicago. But he is not only not only does he have a wealth or an information of wealth for money, but also more importantly, he's got a wealth of information about uh, our God and the testimony and the and the text of the Bible. And he's very unique because we're going to hear in his testimony today about nisu of his conversion uh to becoming a uh, evangelist for christ um i think i'm appropriate nisu by saying that you were basically an anti-theist right
2: yeah uh i grew up in a hindu household but i was full hardcore atheist and my atheism really accelerated in college and interestingly enough and alluding to what you mentioned bob i i was in what is known culturally now as the, the social justice movement. Mm. And that really accelerated my atheism uh, a few years into college. I got connected with uh, financial planning and uh, that's really what God used to open up my eyes to the gospel. And uh, now I'm on the other side to that, as like you mentioned evangelistic and now trying to help people really understand what's happening culturally how they can advance the gospel in their workplace. How do you be a light of Christ when the world's becoming more offended by Christian values and those who stand on the truth. And so hopefully we will, that's the hope for today that people can walk away with.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I, I have to tell you listeners, uh, he really impacted me the first time I met him. I was so privileged to have one of our former guests introduce me to Nisu. And, uh, He, he, he just, he really said, look, you really have to talk to this young man. He's got a a heck of a story. So you're going to hear some really good stories today and hopefully it's going to impact you and encourage you to take this, uh, broadcast that we will have out there on podcast and pass it along. Uh, I really want to encourage you to do that because this is a message today that we, we really want to be able to resonate with a lot of not only listeners here, but also your family and other people that you know, that would benefit from listening to this young man today. Um, Let's start back at the beginning. Let's start, you know, as they say in the Bible, right? Let's start at the beginning. Um, why don't you walk us through childhood? Where, did you grow up in India or or did you were you raised here in the States?
2: So I grew up in the United States, in Hoffman Estates specifically, a little suburb of Illinois. Um, all public schooling, all throughout my life. We would visit the Hindu temple and my family would take us there. We were kind of like the priesters of the <laughs> Hindu religion. Okay. But... The entire time, I was an atheist. I didn't trust a single thing that my parents walked me through. I only believed in what my teachers were telling me about science and math. And that's what really what caused me to, to be an atheist.
1: So growing up, though, were you did you have any other people of faith around you at all? Other no. than Hindu? No. No. The
2: first time I met someone who was a true believer was in financial planning. And it was the gentleman who hired me on as an advisor and who mentored me for almost three and a half years before I finally came to know the Lord. But that was my first Christian exposure.
1: And that was, that was at the financial firm you're at now? That was at
2: the financial firm I was at now. He was an incredible man of God and he did not share the gospel with me one time, but he did live out his faith. And he was so, he was a light in that dark place. And I tried fervently to figure out his secret, which led me to, which led me to a lot of different studying. And I, I dove into new age, I dove into different religions. And when I was at the end of that research, that's when my mentor invited me to his church for the first time I heard the gospel and a few months later came to know the Lord.
1: Wow. Now, one of the things that you shared with us is, is how you can advance the gospel in your marketplace. And you really take into this, haven't you?
2: Yeah. So after, after being saved, that was back in 2017, mm-hmm. it was like the road to Damascus. Yeah. My, the scales were falling through my eyes and I was on fire for the Lord and he really fanned into flame that gift. So whether it was in on Monday mornings, we do a team huddle, And everyone goes around and they share one thing they're grateful for. I was just constantly sharing testimonies (laughs) of what the Lord was doing with my whenever I would ask someone what they did on the weekend, and they would obviously reciprocate, I would tell them about what I'm learning in God's word and in church. I used every single platform to proclaim the gospel or to testify to the works of the Lord and his goodness. And it spread like it really did spread like wildfire, the conversion and um, what God is doing in my life at that time.
1: Yeah, we're going we're to take people up forward. But during those college years, you know, that obviously you're getting indoctrinated through high school and all that, was there more indoctrination in college that you saw that was really kind of, you know, the whole social justice or the, the kind of the, the leftist movement?
2: Great question. The entire education system in the United States, public education and the way that it's structured, if you read the Communist Manifesto, One of the 10th pillars that Karl Marx lays out for a way to take down religion in the West is by causing education to be a public institution. Biblically, education was given to the role of the the parents were supposed to be involved in the church. Those were supposed to be the primary educators, but in the West through sadly, the idolatry of the American life, that duty was then handed off to the public the state and the state increasingly became more and more and more anti-christian and so yeah i went to a public school where in one of my classes and this was when i was in the social justice movement i was a leader for a lot of different issues the three main frontiers lgbt rights feminism and racial issues in one of the camps i was leading they had us fill out what was called these identity cards and it was interesting on the identity card there's a category that asked you if you were in the oppressive class or the oppressed class so from college they have us training ourselves to think of ourselves as oppressed or oppressor those are incredibly communistic ideologies and terms and philosophies and so the that's just one small example of the way that yeah the, the college now was
1: was this a separate group from the the, uh, the classes you were taking or was this part of the classes you were taking
2: this was a required class in my scholarship really yep
1: wow yep and what was your scholarship in Academic. Academics. Okay. So it was a required, what was that class called? Social identities. Social identities.
2: Wow. Which is the same, the communist concept is called class consciousness. Okay. And from a biblical perspective, we're all made in the image of God. And then when you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Those are your chief identities. But in all these classes, what they were trying to indoctrinate us with, was to add something on top of the fact that you're made in God's image. So it's not that you were just an image bearer, it's that you're a Indian image bearer or a male Indian image bearer or a bisexual male Indian image bearer and further and further and further killing the fact that you're made in God's image.
1: Got it. So, yeah. so you know, obviously young, impressionable. So you, you were taking this all in and you're buying into it, right?
2: Buying into it, preaching it, And the part that's very deceptive is because we are made in God's image, we stand for justice, Mm. right? And no one would stand. no one would say, yeah, I want injustice. Right. (laughs) So the way that the culture today tries to manipulate you is they make everything about civil rights issues. Right. It's something called epistemic injustice meaning that there is a oppression between different truths. And so if we do see an injustice and the image bearer in us is wanting justice, we will align ourselves with that exact movement. And at that point, our conscience is held captive. Because if we as Christians are to oppose justice, then we're opposing God. Yeah, But they're doing that to people who are non-believers, who don't have the spirit of sermon.
1: When we come back after the break, though, I want to dive in a little bit to some of these people that were in this indoctrination with you. If there were believers in there or people that were Christians and all of a sudden became influenced in another way and how that kind of worked. Okay. Hey, folks, you got to stay with us here. And we're going to have some goodies for you. But we want to give you the text number now, 224-404-1988. Misu's got some really great stuff for us. And one of those things that he's going to be giving away right out of the bat here is a, um, let me get my bearing here. He's got some uh, material for you uh, that is about the glory of God. And then we've got some other uh, material that he's gonna get in get books and some other great stuff that he's gonna give you. So again, text us here at 224-404-1988. We're gonna have some great stuff. And by the way, uh, our website, as you know, this ministry is, is really foundationally funded by you folks out there. So go out there and hit the donate button if you feel lucky and you've got a few extra beans. We'll be right back.
0: This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders. Faith Marketplace Radio.
1: Hey, we're back here with my guest, Nisu Patel, uh, financial planner, wealth manager. And uh, he was. we were getting into his story, his background, his story growing up uh, in the Hindu uh, faith, but actually he was an atheist. He, he didn't subscribe to any of that. And then got indoctrinated both in public schools and in public college, basically, as to... Uh, criminal social justice, and some other things that he defined earlier. And when we left off the break, I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper on that as to in this indoctrination period or whatever you would call that, uh, it was part of your class you had to take, evidently. Um, did, did you know of any of the other folks that were in there that were believers or people that were Christians that, that you know changed through this process?
2: There were two people who were Catholic, but that was the closest to someone that would profess Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, no one really.
1: Okay. And so did this, uh, dissuade them or, or change their thoughts? You know, this, this thing you went through. No, and they were some of
2: the most passionate and it's interesting for a lot of our listeners today, what we're seeing in one of the largest, what is known historically as a conservative denomination, the Southern Baptist convention in, I believe 2017, they passed a resolution that said that critical race theory was a reliable tool for scripture interpretation. And so I, as an atheist, I didn't think anything of the Catholics being in that class, but now as a Christ follower, it's quite shocking because we're seeing evangelicals backing the social justice movement, using tools that have their roots in communist ideologies. But that stuff was present in that class that I was in as an atheist in public school.
1: Now, a lot of this inductive stuff that you experienced was in college, right? That you were with some of the classes. Was there other involvement outside of that, though? And in organization, because I, I know you shared with me. I mean, it's a pretty organized effort, right?
2: Absolutely. This class was a launching pad to get into every other class and all across the campus. It was the University of Illinois Chicago, mm-hmm. and. Okay. This is stuff I was also experiencing in the workplace when I started working. I started to see these ideologies. I was a champion at that point about that. But now on the Christian side, I have a different perspective.
1: Right. And how long long was that that you were on that side of of the ledger here, would you say?
2: I spent three years very heavily involved in the social justice
1: movement. Okay. And that was here in Chicago or across the country?
2: Here in Chicago, we did have a national presence. The group I was a part of had a national presence and the teacher there would travel and go do different events.
1: Okay. So you experienced this all firsthand. This is, was very real, right? Okay. Yeah. So it took you three years to go through your transformation because of a gentleman that you had that you went to work for that manifested, you know, his faith by the walk, not the talk necessarily, right? according to you, uh, but how he handled himself, the way he treated people, I'm assuming. I won't put words in your mouth. What impressed you about him? What was it that you all of a sudden said, hey, what's the secret here?
2: Yeah. You know, Philippians 2 talks about living without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And that was Mike, my mentor. Mike would not speak ill of clients or other advisors. Mike, though, incredibly successful, one of the top 1% advisors the nation so humble was such a meek man and yet he as my mentor would speak the truth to me and i didn't know this at the time but he would incorporate proverbs he would incorporate the wisdom of god to me without exactly quoting the exact scripture and i always would walk away from our meetings thinking that, man that was profound how did he know that and then i would try to go find the answer i didn't know it was in
1: scripture yeah well i think it was uh, thomas aquinas or something he's attributed to that you know go out and preach the gospel use words if necessary so uh, it sounded that he was leading you by example also with the way he was doing it so uh and that, what a great lesson to to learn because you thirsted you you got hungry for that right that that, that resonated with you
2: yeah and an encouragement to uh, Whoever's listening, when you're in the workplace and you're evangelizing, it is a combination of things. One, that's the qualifier is the way you carry yourself. And it's not just the way you carry yourself at work. Your entire life, your entire life outside of work will support what you're doing at work. And then two, it is preaching the word. You know, I love, I've heard that saying from Thomas Aquinas, but I actually press against it because Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. Mm-hmm. And Mike was sharing the word of God with me, and I did get converted through the word of God. But if Mike was a, a complete disaster, and if his life did not match that of likeness, I would not have had ears to hear his message.
1: Right. Yeah. And that takes courage, doesn't it, Nisu? It takes courage to do what you do to step into this, because uh, you've been ostracized from your family, right? Yeah.
2: You know, in 2 Timothy 3, 12, it says that all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And it's such an expectation in the New Testament. And so right after I came to know the Lord, my parents, again, Hindu background, everyone in our ancestry is Hindu. They were shocked. They were dumbfounded. They didn't like any of my decisions. And the more I have gone deeper with the Lord, the greater the opposition has become from the family. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And and we have to mourn that a little bit too, because you know, but you know, the old thing here is that, you know, you have the opportunity maybe to lead them to Christ, right? And I'm sure that's the way they look at it.
2: Amen. Yeah. And again, another encouragement for workplace evangelism specifically is you never know the seeds that are being planted, how they will grow. Yeah. But we are responsible for the seeds planted. And as we're faithful to that, we'll we know we're faithful to God.
1: So as you're going about your workday, because, again, that's what this program is. How do we combine our faith at work, right? Because a lot of people, you know, on Monday morning leave Jesus in their car. Uh, they've been filled up the Spirit, you know, on the weekend. They've they've gone to church. They've had Bible study, whatever it might be, even through the week. But what is it about being timid that when you get to work about sharing it, is it this this whole aura of that religion's bad, Christianity's bad, Christians are bad? What, what do you think's going behind all that?
2: That's a great question. One wise comment that I've heard from John MacArthur is superficial views of God lead to superficial worship of God. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why Christians are so shy from sharing their faith is because the view of Jesus Christ may not necessarily be the view that Christ reveals of himself in the scriptures. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of what I've noticed in evangelical circles that I was a part of, their view of Jesus was a Jesus who existed for their comfort was a Jesus who existed so that they could live a comfortable middle-class Christian life. And it made sense why they weren't excited on Monday morning to proclaim that Christ because that Christ wasn't the fullness that we see in the gospel His beauty displayed on the cross, the one who suffered for his enemies. And so I think ultimately a lot of people sadly are Believing and following Jesus that is a very superficial view, and Christ is the more I've come to know Christ through his word, the more I can't shut up about him. (laughs) I want to tell everybody about him, and I think it has to do with the transcendent view of the Lord.
1: Yeah, so we got to be careful though with that, right? Because that can be overwhelming to some people, Uh, I can turn them off. Um, you know, we didn't. Uh, conversational apologetics program uh, last year with uh, CS Lewis and how do you really engage people? And a lot of it's through you know. questioning. And I'm sure that, it, you know, is that part of the thing that you do is to see where people are coming from first and then you know. hearing that and kind of like how Mike led you through this? Is that, have you adopted that kind of a, a way of doing this?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great uh, add in there. Yeah. At the heart level, we do want to have a right view of the Lord. And in evangelism, and the Arabi Zachariah ministry says the same thing, is being wise when you're evangelizing Mm -hmm. and knowing where someone's at through asking questions. A great example of this, in the New Testament, we have four examples of evangelism. And we have Paul in Acts 17 evangelizing in the Aragavis. And Paul is using the cultural references to present the gospel right. he's meeting them where they're at and yep. i think it's an amazing example for us in the workplace ministry
1: yep exactly you're absolutely right <clears throat> your audience uh, you know I, I know that you have uh, got involved at church with uh, uh youth groups and things like that so uh, at work are you seeing that you're getting it's resonating with maybe some of the wor- younger workers that you're talking with or that are around you or how do you address that with those folks
2: yeah the greatest. Is- Advancement of the gospel recently in the workplace has been the ability to communicate what's happening in the culture through God's word. People are hungry for answers. Yep. And I think there's a subtle feeling that they know when they're listening to the news that they're not being told the truth because mm-hmm. they hear a contradictory story next second. But the word of God stands firm, it's eternal. And no matter what, the word of God is relevant. And so it's fascinating. I recently spoke about Isaiah to a friend to explain what's happening culturally, Isaiah 520, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Right. Non-believer, fascinated, fascinated and wanted to have a deeper conversation about Christianity.
1: Yep. Well, one of the things I've admired in talking with you and know about you, you've really dug into this. I mean, you are a true student of uh, Christianity, getting into it, making sure that it's relevant and also being very accurate about what you're talking about and i think that is you know to your credit uh you know particularly at your younger age that is fantastic so because it does come you exude a credibility and trustworthiness uh when you're talking to somebody you have a a genuine want and need to be able to see people say but not club them to death right (laughs) I love it. Well, folks, I can't believe we're already through the second segment. We wanted to uh, have you come back, invite you to go out and look at faithmarketplace.com. we got all kinds of goodies out there. Text us at 224-404-1988. And we have available for you today a video that will uh, be distributed, that will be distributing to you a disturbance and move, a maneuvering of changing culture of the marketplace. And this is a, a freebie that uh, Nisu is going to be giving to uh, listeners that call in, anybody that calls in. So, again, 224 404 1988. We're going to be right back with Nisu Patel.
0: This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders Faith Marketplace Radio.
1: Hey, we're back here with our special guest, Nisu Patel. And before I get cracking in here with it, it's a, I love this interview with him. We want you to text us at 224-404-1988. Anybody that texts us is going to be receiving a video back uh, that is about uh, disseminating uh, and maneuvering the changing culture of the marketplace. But also for the first three people that, that uh, text us in with the keyword prayer, we'll be receiving... Uh, the power of prayer by Charles Sturgeon. Three people are going to get a copy of that book that Nisu has been, um, uh, so generous to be able to give to us. So you got it now. You got the number two, two, four, four, zero, four, 1988. Everybody will get the video. The first three people will get a copy of the book. If you put in the keyword prayer. So let's get back at this Nisu. Um, man, I wish, I, I wish we had another hour here because this has been deep stuff, but, um, Let's talk about the transition you came out of this three years you got coached and mentored under Mike and now what's that what impact did that have? Prior to this you were living you know a different lifestyle now you know you came out of that as uh, fully reborn in Christ. So tell us about that transition and then what's what's happening with Nisu now?
2: <laughs> yeah after I came to know the Lord the Lord really convicted me through his word. And I really went through a two to three year process where constantly I would be rethinking workplace and business through the lens of scripture. There wasn't a week where I didn't spend time doing that. So God completely shifted my my worldview. He transformed my mind, as it says in Romans 12. And over time, the Lord continuously opened up doors to do more preaching and teaching. And then in 2020 when this whole rioting started happening and the social justice movement kind of ramped up politically, the Lord opened up the floodgates to start teaching on these things.
1: Yeah. I bet you got a lot of interest in that. I know that you shared with me that you've had an opportunity to, cause you're doing a lot of speaking now, right? Uh, share with the audience, what what's the composition of the audience that you've been speaking to and the, and the folks you're getting it's resonating with.
2: Yeah. So in 2020, my friend calls it a crusade but it went through five different bodies of believers sharing about what's happening in the culture through social justice, the new religion, and what does the Bible have to say about that. And the spectrum is quite broad. There is grandparents, families, and then millennials. And what's really interesting is it's mostly resonating with the families and people that are my age, my generation. And here's why I think it is The families are seeing their kids being indoctrinated. And my generation, the millennials, I think they're starting to realize that something's off ideologically.
1: Okay. Do you think that maybe part of that is that they're becoming of age, that they're now starting to settle down, maybe start a family? They're they're getting a little bit more uh, kind of acculturated as to how all this is going to work as a real adult.
2: (laughs) That's one. That's one example. I think the main one is whatever normalcy of life they were used to completely got thrown out the window in
1: 2020.
2: Right. And at that, at, at the same time, the social justice religion really extended into every single realm. I mean, you had the, a global health agency dictating the entire global economy in a few men, ma- in a matter of few days, and right. even dictating whether or not churches could gather for Sunday worship. Right. And so I think it became real because it infiltrated every aspect of their lives. Yep.
1: Yeah. Now you just preached on something you said that was pretty profound. I think you said it was Isaiah 44 and that you got some reaction out of that about the uh, uh, world um, organization uh, that you mentioned.
2: Yeah. So Isaiah is an interesting chapter. Really briefly, economic prosperity, spiritual poverty in the nation of Israel, they were judged by god because they they trusted in nations rather than trusting in god and there is a passage in isaiah 44 that talks about god's sovereignty over kings what's fascinating right now the world economic forum is a global uh it's a global organization they released an ad with their goals in 2030 there's eight goals two of them are profound The second goal is America will no longer be a superpower. I'm quoting, by the way. Mm -hmm. The eighth goal is that Western values would have been tested to the point of breaking. Again, I'm Mm -hmm. quoting. Western values, what are those? Those are Judeo-Christian values. And they're not being replaced, they're being broken. And so afterwards, I had eight to nine people who came up to me from different churches who said that they were considering leaving their church because their leaders weren't addressing the issues. And so people are, I think, really
1: hungry for this. Well, it's that. And, and maybe they're just not equipped to address the issues because they're not as educated about it. I mean, let's face it. Very few people have had the education and had, you know, the deep dive on the other side of this uh, issue like you have. Uh, and then, you know, coming and seeing the light of truth. Right. At an early age. I mean, uh, so I, I, I would question that how many of these pastors really are equipped to, to handle this, you know, and to deal with it. So I think you're going to be really terrific going around at different venues and being able to speak to this. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is how, you know, you've incorporated your faith in the work you do now. You touched on it a little bit, but, you know, you're in a, you're in a kind of a secular business. So <laughs> does that, how's that work? <laughs> yeah.
2: So It's interesting. The new environment that we're dealing with is an environment that's increasingly hostile against Christianity. Mm -hmm. Even in working with people that are professing believers, you have no clue what you're dealing with. You might be dealing with someone who's progressive, a new ager. There's now something called Chrislam, people that adopt Christianity and Islam. There's witchcraft practices in Christianity. So you have a huge spectrum of what you're dealing with day-to-day in financial planning. And so we talked about this last segment, but the importance of asking questions, right? And following Christ's example in that, but then also sharing the word of God as that seed. That's been a lot of the fruitful encounters I've had in workplace evangelism.
1: That's great. So what, what's an ideal client for you? What's a target client for you?
2: The Lord has really used our practice to serve Christians, mm-hmm. serve attorneys. Medical clients, and very interestingly, a lot of African Americans. Okay. And I didn't think about that, but that was kind of the platform that God gave me to speak and warn them about some of the ideologies that were sadly trying to target that demographic in our country.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I boy. So, what problems are you solving for your clients?
2: Yeah, one of the, you know, the heart of stewardship is that. God owns everything, and you own nothing. And right. a lot of people, they idolize their money and <laughs> they, they sadly find out at the end of life that that really wasn't the purpose of life, was gathering more and more in your barns. And so we really focus on comprehensive stewardship for believers, we're looking at how do you advance the kingdom of God with the finances he's given you, with those who are apart from Christ, we still work on the same spectrum, but I'm using the Bible. I'm using Proverbs to show them principles and how to think about finances. And so it, it both ways, it, comprehensive stewardship is the best way to summarize what we're focusing on.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. So um, how would you like to provide hope to some of these challenges we're facing out there? <laughs> that's a big job you got, Nisu. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I think there's a few things. You know one incredible example in the scriptures is in hebrews ten thirty four, 34 and speaking of a church that was plundered in their property and they rejoiced and it's interesting in the new testament where we see the covenant the new covenant for giving in second corinthians 8 and 9 that uh, passage is written to a book of uh, people excuse me that were under extreme poverty mm. and so the place to start first and foremost is our heart posture and the way we're viewing finances and the way we're viewing life. And that's something that really we can only get from God to change our hearts, to think about that way. Only God can bring someone to the point where they realize they're surpassing worth of Christ so much that even if someone took away everything, they would say, no, you didn't take away anything of mine actually. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, you you when you start talking about some of these professionals you're working with, particularly the medical professionals and and attorneys, that's kind of a that's kind of a hard lot there. I mean, those folks can be pretty uh, pretty stubborn, especially uh, when you start engaging them in conversations about God and religion and that kind of thing. So, uh, what's your secret sauce to get get over get them over that hump?
2: <laughs> Great question. And this is why the book I'm recommending is or giving out is the book I'm, rec- I'm giving out is the Power of Prayer. God, it says in Proverbs 21, 1 that the heart of a king is like streams of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. And so God can incline and open the ears of any heart. But there's a lot of prayer that goes into our ministry to open up that door to evangelize. And I've seen God do some incredible things. One recent story was a woman who was a resident who was going through a divorce. I invited her to join me for church. She came with me. She met my pastor's wife, who's also, who happens to be a doctor. They connected. And then she met another woman in our church. And now they connected. And all of a sudden, she went to being surrounded by Christ followers.
1: Yeah, spiritual multiplication. I love it. I love it. Well, before we get get out of this segment, I want to let people know how they can get a hold of you. So what's the best way for people to get a hold of you, Nisu?
2: Yeah, the best email for me would be pa And as a Nick, I-S-A-R-G at gmail.com. And there'll be a link to my phone number in there. Right. As as we've mentioned that because of the line of work that I do, we're trying to keep the name out of it.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, folks, we're going to be back here for our last segment. We're going to roundtable a conversation here. We're going to keep you hanging. You're going to have to come back for this segment to know what that mystery topic is going to be. So, again, get out there and text us at 224-404-1988. The first three uh, texts that we get in that have the keyword prayer are going to be given those three copies of the book of the, by uh, Spurgeon. That is um, what Nisa's given away and alluded to before The Power of Prayer by Charles Spurgeon. And then also, uh, everybody that texts us at that number is going to receive a video. So get out there, Texas. We're going to be right back.
0: This is Chicagoland's place to inspire, equip, and encourage Christian business leaders. Faith Marketplace Radio.
1: Hey, we're back here again with our special guest, Nisu Patel. And man, over the break, I got a special announcement for you. So really going to want to text in. One person that texts in is going to receive a $50 gift card to Weber Grill that was donated by National Christian Foundation. And thank you, Nisu. So one person that phones in, uh, 224-404-1988. So get this in. You get a $50 gift card to Weber Grill. So let's jump into this. Let's don't keep in in suspense anymore because we have a mystery round here, and that is going to be what's coming next as far as social and political. And I can't think of anybody to start us off better than you. <laughs> so what's your perspective of what's coming next? Yeah,
2: knowing that a lot of the audience here, are business owners. I think it's important to know what commerce has, might be looking like in the ages to come. A story to start that off in China right now, There is something that's being used to label evangelicals. It's a type of facial recognition software. And if you are evangelical, you are not allowed to participate in the commerce in China. Who's to say that the vaccine cannot be the entryway to participate in the marketplace? Who's to say that it can't be cryptocurrency or a certain platform that you have to use that would recognize you by a professing follower of Christ? And so for us in the West, the way that we're going to be doing business, is going to look radically different in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, you suggest that with the world economic forum, you know, as to what their game plan is, and this is in writing, right. Of the eight things you, you pointed out, the two of those are really directly pointed at the West and also our faith, right?
2: Yeah, there is a, complete global agenda to take down Christianity. And it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but the difference between a conspiracy theory and an agenda, conspiracy theories are not in plain sight, right? Agendas are in plain sight. And these are in books. These are on videos that they themselves are professing these things with their mouth that they want to do. And the most greatest, the greatest example of this recently is one of the ads for world economic forum says you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. (laughs) God does own everything. And that is a posture of joy, but they are replacing God with the government. And that's not the same thing that's communism.
1: Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's frightening some of this stuff because you've seen it firsthand, you've lived this stuff and you know, it's very real. So, uh, this isn't just hyperbole guys or scare tactics or anything. Uh, if you, you could see Nisu, he means this, he's very sincere about this and he's become a student of it. So he's really out there equipping us right now as to how do we face this? How do we really in the face of some of this stuff coming at us, how do we listen better? How do we really identify some of these things that are happening? Uh, this isn't Orwellian, this stuff is happening right now in real time. And I think that Uh, The pandemic's accelerated a lot of this stuff, really. When you start thinking about it, we got dictated that we had to wear masks. We had to stay home. We couldn't meet at church. I mean, all these different things now, you start adding this up, and this stuff's becoming scary, and it's becoming real. So what's your recommendation, Nisu, as far as how do we approach this, particularly with our loved ones and other people that would say, ah, you're just making a big deal out of nothing and all that kind of stuff? What what do you have to say to them?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. In the Old Testament, in Chronicles 12, in Esther 1, and in Daniel 2, there's this repeated phrase that says, men who had understanding of the times. And the reason, Bob, you mentioned this earlier, the reason that a lot of people don't speak to it is because they just haven't taken the time to research it. And so my first admonition would be to become more aware. And if if your listeners email me, I'm happy to send them materials and original sources to study, not just opinions, but here's the words that are happening from the original source.
1: Let's give them that email address again, because I know we're going to get some people responding to you. So what's that email address?
2: That's P-A-N-I-S-A-R-G at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to put that in the link too, to the
1: podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Because I know that we're we're stirring the pot here today with uh, something that a lot of Christians haven't heard about, uh, you know, in a real way. And particularly with your background and what you came through and then that turning point that you made it. Well, you know, I, I just got a curiosity speaking about the future here, where do you see the future for what you're doing in your ministry?
2: That's a great question. And the short answer is, I don't know. (laughs) I just see the Lord opening up more doors to do these speaking events. And I'm just trying to be as deep as I possibly can and let God determine the breadth of the ministry.
1: Well, the old saying lean not on your own understanding but lean on the that of the lord right he's got the plan nisu <laughs> we don't <laughs> sometimes it gets it makes me mad you know that he doesn't share that too much you know it's like come on god give me a peek a here peek. yeah yeah I, I i'm pretty bullish about this i think that this whole thing that we've gone through in 2020 is really an eye-opening thing i think it's been a greenfield for our christianity I think that, uh, really showing the hands and feet and being the hands and feet of Christ. I know I've experienced that at our church where we had 300 car waiting lines to be able to come through where we were giving away food, um, having the opportunity to just speak into people, pray for them, you know, those kind of things. So I think this is just an excellent time in the history of our country and a lot of things that we can really step up to this and face this, uh, this thing that's coming at us, um, but we got to be able to stand strong. We have to have courage. We got to be really standing firm in the faith and being able to do this. And that means that people have to get educated and they got to get off the fence, you know, and no more wishy-washy Christianity, as you said, you know, or new age Christianity. We've really got to, and I've heard this from different people now that are really concerned about this and are kind of raising the, uh, raising the issues a lot higher now for people. So, I applaud you for doing this. This is fantastic. And obviously, you've really done a deep dive into this. So if there was a request out there that we could make to our audience right now, uh, in your behalf, what would that be? Would you want to get more speaking engagements? Would you want to be out in front of people more? What what would that be? Great question.
2: So there's two things I'd love to add. One, yeah, if I can bless you in any way by speaking and having a conversation, it can be one-on-one. It can be groups. I would love to do that. I don't even want payment, honestly. I just want to help people understand this. So buy me a coffee or something. (laughs) There you go. One thing I love to add, real quick, is an encouragement. The Lord has blessed me with persecution in my family.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. It's really interesting. I think we've misunderstood blessing, and what I've realized is the more that following Jesus has cost me, whether it's familial relationships or family or even reputation, more precious I found Him to be. So that's the hope. He's
1: valuable. Very a- good. Well, very well said. Well, I want to take again and reinforce that you want to get out there in Texas at 224-404-1988. Everyone will get a, a copy sent to them of the video uh, discernment in maneuvering the changing culture of the marketplace. And I think we, we did a pretty good job of addressing that today. And then also the first three people that text us with the keyword prayer are going to receive the power of prayer by Charles Spurgeon, and then the bonus gift. Only one person. You got to send that in. Uh, Texas again. You get a fifty dollar gift card to Weber Grill here in Chicago, donated by the National Christian Foundation. You so I can't thank you enough for coming on today. It was everything and then some. You know that I was anticipating today, and I know that. Uh, You are going to be a rock star out here in our marketplace and also uh, that you already are. But, you know, I told you before, I'm going to be a bully pulpit for you. I think this is a terribly important subject that we have to address. And um, I'm going to do everything we can here at the show to support that. Again, we're here at Faith Marketplace where we equip entrepreneurs, small business owners, creatives with resources, community to make kingdom impact, to glorify our mighty God with gaining inspiration from marketplace leaders Hopefully you got some inspiration today from uh, Nisu. I know I certainly did. Uh, I want you to distribute this podcast. If you're out there listening, you can download this. You can download, listen to us on the station on Saturday, noon to 1 o'clock. And we got some great guests lined up. And Nisu, you are kicking it off, buddy, in a big way today. I really appreciate it. So uh, we're going to be back again next Saturday, noon to 1 o'clock here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. We want you to tune in. By the way, go up there and download the app. That way you can hear us from anywhere in the world over the Internet. We'll be back next week.